If you close your eyes and repeat, it's still 2004, it's still 2004, it's still 2004. You'd swear the opening moments of this episode prove it's secretly a prequel for Lost. Oh. Episode 3 is called A New Organ. Margo surveys the damage of a downplane. Do we know what caused this? Some kind of electrical shock. And then Daniel Dandon is there doing a deep thing in elevated circles. We give him the benefit of the doubt and call what he's doing benevolent chauvinism. In more common circles, we say he's just being an asshole. As you know, most assholes have no gender. They're plentiful and refuse to stop kills in the stink. Margot already knows what might have caused the plane to fall out of the sky. It's the same thing that caused the plane to fall out of the sky and lost. You know, bzzz. Uh, anyway, so Margot's all caught up on all of the best TV, you see. And Margot says, were there any teenage girls on the plane? She needs to go talk to survivors and find out. Maybe she'll meet Evangeline Lilly. So then we're with Sister Maria. That's when Sister Maria enters the story. And she's played by the trans actress, Daniela Vega. From the Oscar winning movie A Fantastic Woman and from 2017. Sister Maria, um, Sister Maria finds Allie on the side of the road and brings her to the Sisters of Christ convent. That's uh, a new name. It's called something different in a book. You won't see her face until a few moments from now, but this is the trans nun who's going to inspire the religion that reshapes the world. Oh, I'm so excited. So then with Tunde, CNN offers him a contract for his footage. Tunde says, you have the wrong number because, you know, he's at work <laughs> and he can't afford to let anyone see what kind of gender nonconforming topics compel his journalistic instincts. He isn't sure yet how to handle this or whether given these things to modern institutions of power would just be more of the same. So exhibit number one, Tunde Ojo is confronted by the elder Enyolo Ojo. Um, and Enyolo tells Tunde to leave Nduri alone. They say, you have brought enough shame. Joss is trying to have a normal day on the way to school, but the bus driver tells her no girls are allowed on the bus. <laughs> this is excellent rep for trans and other gender nonconforming people, where cisgender people think they can clock who's trans, aka who has the power from their appearance alone. Oh, and look, there's Kat again. That's Anissa Matlock. They're the shit. Go check out their Instagram. Um, oh, and also Ryan is back. So that guy stole my heart and book smart and he's never given it back except he's moved on. He got eyes only for Jocelyn Neal. So how do you think Margot is going to take that once his power stuff gets bigger and men start to get weird? Because that's what happens next. There's a director from the governor's office on the power and the admin stops all the school to go confront each class and demand they admit if they have it yet. Or snitch if you know someone who does. So kids start snitching, admitting, and then it becomes an apparent almost every girl can do it. It's just like the real world where conservatives work relentlessly to eliminate the women who aren't gender nonconforming. But it's a waste to go because, you know, we're everywhere. Mm. Um, Ryan stands up for them so fast because redacted. Uh -uh. Um, he knows better than anyone that discrimination for this stuff is wrong. At the hospital, Margot encounters an angry father unleashing hell on earth because the hospital won't let him see his 12-year-old daughter, Michaela. They say she might be the one who shocked the plane. Uh-oh. Margot helps because she knows the hospital's out of line to say they can legally forbid the dad from seeing the daughter, but there's feds there, and she don't understand why they're there either. 
The dad privately confesses to Margo that his daughter probably did cause the accident, but she didn't mean to. It's just because she got the power. In the book, Margo might not have cared this much, but in the show, she instantly empathizes with his concern for his daughter. Margo says, if you deck one of those agents, you're not going to see your daughter. So sit tight, wait till you hear from me. She calls a political connection to find out why the hell the FBI is involved. So now we're back with Allie, and finally we are at the Sisters of Christ Common. And here again is the trans actress Daniela Vega as Sister Maria. She helps Allie awaken in more ways than one. So Sister Maria says, don't worry, no one's going to hurt you here. What's your name? And knowing that her previous name might get her arrested, you know, trans people refer to this as our dead name, Allie chooses the name she'll forever be known by going forward. She says, Eve. Maria says, ooh, good choice. We got more girls like you every day. Girls with no other place to go. Are you a believer? Allie says, I talk to God every day. Maria says, do you now? And he talks back. Allie says, she, she does all the time. Maria says, how lucky to have such faith. It was no accident I found you on that road. Rest as long as you like. So for part two of Allie, Allie walks through the fields with the other convent rescues, and I couldn't help but imagine her as though she were awakening during different eras of the past. We need someone like Boom Comics to do the alternate universe version of the power that takes place in the 1860s or some other era, such as when Marvel Comics and Neil Gaiman or is it Gaiman? They did the very excellent 1602 in which the superheroes exist during the Elizabethan era. And, you know, the multiverse makes all things possible, right? Uh, no, it looks like I'm from Sister Act, I hope. Anyway, um, so much as I want to help with such a project, the right move is, I believe, to hire people of color and trans people of color. Their lived experience would be the extra element you just can't get from having people outside those lived experiences write the story by simply changing what era in which the story takes place. Back to the story at hand. Um, for Joss, kids across the world are discovering their power. And what do you think Joss and all the other kids are up to and isolated together? It's like the Breakfast Club, but with the title of the show, they all got power. It's sort of like putting a bunch of drug addicts together. So what do you think they did as soon as you give them a chance to connect, to share their charge, stoke each other's power? So, you know, it made me think of Mae Martin's latest joke about her teen years from her Netflix comedy special, Sap. Um. With Allie in the field, Sister Veronica, and that's um, Sister Veronica is played by Emily Kuroda. I think I got that right. They, and um, Sister Veronica brings the pain to all these girls. She's a part of this strict father ideology underlying what most of us hate when we say we hate the patriarchy. She demands none of them allow their inner power to escape their control. What is this, a school for Jedi ants? We don't hate men. We don't hate masculinity. We hate strict father ideology that advocates the use of discipline and punishment, that's called coercive abuse, as tools to shape us into the best versions of ourselves. Sister Veronica, however, for all her cruelty, is not the enemy. She's an imperfect ally. Don't take my word for it. Sister Maria will soon explain what makes Sister Veronica unique. Allie leaves Veronica unsure of what exactly 
this place is. When she met Sister Maria, she thought this place might be heaven on earth. Now it feels a lot more like Christina Daltra's Finlandia, a place that sounds nice until you hear how they feel about intersex, non-binary, trans, even cisgender women who need overlapping methods of gender-affirming medical care. Those people, unfortunately, in Finlandia are just going to be left to die if not outright directly killed by the characters in the story. So back with Margot, she gets into a rubber suit and visits a survivor. The show makes sure to put Margot in a rubber suit. She's deliberate about not being awakened. Michaela, the daughter of the angry father from before at the hospital, tells Margot what happened on the plane, how the power works, or at least how it works for her and where it went wrong. She's crying. She gets scared. She explains that her dad gave her Benadryl, and she woke up in the middle of the flight, and everything was gross and... Cuts to Margot then talking to the flight attendant, one of the only survivors of the crash flight. The flight attendant was just trying to help Michaela with her seatbelt, but it looked like she was seizing. And then a jolt of electricity hit the attendant and it hurt. And then it didn't hurt. It felt amazing. Now she has the power. Margot goes to see Joss and learns her daughter is in trouble because she has power. The girls have literally been caged. Her husband is enraged. The school detained these kids in the same manner as Trump detaining kids who merely begged for asylum. Rob says, have you lost your humanity? Margot says, if all these girls aren't at home with their parents within the next hour, you guys are going to have a huge problem. Back home, Margot and Rob ask Joss to come clean and show them her abilities. Joss reveals that even among women who have power, she is gender non-conforming. Rob says, so, okay, so how does your work? Her abilities, you see, are chronic and hard to control. She needs gender-affirming medical care in order to be whole. Now, don't worry, that care of that person is coming to heal, to save, and possibly to destroy. Who knows what the show's going to do? So Allie, back for her, uh, part one of when we come back for her, Allie confronts Sister Veronica after all that weird shit in the fields. Allie says, weird place you got here. Can I leave? Sister Veronica says, that suits us just fine. You know, guys, listen to this, sis nun. Part two for Allie. As she's leaving, Allie intends to steal as much as she can take. But she's interrupted by Sister Maria, the nun with a message that transcends common concerns. Sister Maria says, Sister Veronica has done amazing things. Allie says, doesn't seem very Catholic-y. Sister Maria says, it's not. We are nuns in our hearts. Sisters of Christ in the church. When I was younger, I decided to live my truth. I told my family, this is who I am. I am a woman, not the man that you believe me to be. I was cast out. No family. I lost my job. I was on the streets. And Veronica found me. And she guided me. But for her kindness, she was as communicated. All of the women here, they have been cast out. Standing up for justice. Standing up for the weak. Allie responds, if she stands up for people, why is she so against the electricity? And Sister Maria offers a fair rebuttal. She says, Veronica is a revolutionary, but this power is a crisis of faith. And she worries, she knows that consequence comes with change. Have patience and stay. The voice tells Allie, rebel nuns and wayward girls, see, I told you there's a place where you belong. Margot worries they'll treat Joe as Mar sorry, Margot worries they'll treat Joss as a lab rat. Rob says, nah, there are too many girls with the power to treat this as an anomaly. My note, try telling that to trans people. <sighs> so with Joss, her brothers bully her while she's trying to watch something on TV that helps her understand her abilities. But when they fight, she loses control and her power explodes out of her and hits her brother in the 
I, holy lightning bolts, Batman. Tunde visits his friend and duty in the hospital. Now she is furious that he stole this story from her. This was her story. He didn't even want to go to that gathering. And now he's put his face, now he's put her face on the internet, branded her as the villain, a spectacle, a matter of sensation and spectacle, spectacle. And now he comes asking for her advice. She tells him, be a man, Tunde. So he leaves feeling ashamed. But then he is inspired when he sees a woman reactivate a dead power generator with her bare hands. This is bigger than his shame, bigger than his ambition. In duty is right, he needs to be a man, leave these systemic goals that are just pieces of the same systemic obstacles. The power is spreading. It will change the world. Tundi refuses to not be a witness to what comes next. With Joss, the doctor says, that her brother's eyelid shut quickly, so there may be some scarring, but otherwise he's fine. Consult a plastic surgeon, get a skin graft. While the hubs talks to the doctor, Margot tries to talk to Joss. Joss hates her mom. They argue she refuses a comforting hand on her knee. Then she overhears her dad asking about her. They take her to get what I think is an MRI. And I think that's so stupid. They know the power is based on electricity, so this just breaks all credulity, credibility for the show, and it makes for a good visual to have her in the tunnel, but uh, oh my God. <laughs> so um, the results are great though, and showing the power doesn't come from their hands, it comes from a skein, striated mus muscle tissue in the organ that generates electricity. It's not so unusual. Other organs generate electricity, and this one just does only that. It's a genetic switch that flips. The book is far more clear why it happens and how it could happen to us in the real world, too. But the show takes a tip from the novel, Why the Last Man, and never really explains why this is happening, what causes drugs, pollution, survival. The show is most interested in that last one, women developing this because it was live or die. Maybe that's why the power is so visibly present in trans and other gender nonconforming people throughout the book and the show. So then Margot calls Dan, explains what's really happening, and he says, calm down. <laughs> she explains, this is contagious. Daniel says, remember what happened with COVID? That's pretty cool. The show directly references the pandemic, which some believe is still going on and others believe is kind of ended. And um, anyway, Margot says women need to know what is happening with their own bodies. And now Margot is going to get what I see as her I am Iron Man, I am Iron Woman moment. Margot speaks to the public. Contrary to Daniel Danden's advice, she doesn't believe it's right to keep this from the public. So she tells Sam, Daniel, and other politicians are going to lie about this. Margo says, reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. But this is real. This speech is really quite incredible, and it speaks to the direction the show's taken and clearly delineating Margo as a champion rather than the book's version of a bitter divorcee only sort of conflicted over what she's about to do. So now um, we've come nearly but not quite full circle with Tony Collette's I'm Iron Man press briefing that opened the series premiere. But if you're looking closely, you'll see that we're not quite there yet. Margaret's got a far bigger announcement waiting for the audience once the two timelines converge. And I want to tell you what she's going to say, but it'll prove far more electrifying if we just wait. So the last thing I want to tell you is, you know, did you watch Red Dwarf in the 80s? Well, did you keep watching it all the way through the 2012 reboot equal? Congratulations, you're a nerd. Me too. <laughs> so you may also have previously heard the voice of Brian Bounds. In Red Dwarf, he played the voice of all droid Bob. In The Power, he's climbed all the way to the top. 
He's now the U.S. president. So I got to wonder what our actual president Obama thinks about who the powers version of America chose. After all, he did name the powers one of his favorite books in 2017.